Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we again welcome back Michelle. Um, so we spent a large amount of time last week talking about the development of Bellatuno, um, how it's grown from you know uh, its early days back in 2005 to where it is today, um, and I guess probably more importantly to you where it's going to be in November um, as you pick up a, a new a large customer who I guess we'll all yeah. have to continue to visit your Twitter site um, <laughs> to find out um, who that might be. But great first podcast was we were kind of wrapping up. We were talking about growth. We were talking about profit margins. Um, and um, I believe you, you said that profit margin is like the, the most important thing that you follow on a daily basis. Um, when, <laughs> it's getting to be. It, it's getting to be. When, um, when did you start paying attention to that, right? I mean, obviously it wasn't in 2005. No. Um, but, and then how's that, how's the business kind of grown along with that? Um, yeah, so we learned pretty quickly when we had the opportunity to work with major retailers that profit margin had to be king. And what we were doing was never going to cut it with the big guys. Um, and so I think that a lot of people go into a business, a product-based business with the misnomer that as long as you have 50%, you should be pretty good. And not only is that not true, because it doesn't leave room for growth and it doesn't leave room for a lot of potential, but it's what are you putting in to those numbers to make sure that you have what you need on the, the flip side. And at the time that we were um, a really young company and we thought that 50% would be just fine, we didn't have an office. Yeah. We didn't have a distribution center, you know, and so you start adding all of these fixed costs and variable costs in and you start looking at all your your cash flow fluctuations and you realize um, we got to get smarter. We got to get better at this. And so I think it was probably uh, after the recession, kind of during and after when we were just evaluating every single piece of our business because we knew we wanted to stay around. And it wasn't because we had this insane love of baby products. It was because we were doing projects that really had meaning in our community. And we were really excited about that. And we, we didn't want that to quit and end. So um, we just started examining everything, everything. And along the way, um, I was really fortunate to win some awards that got me some great mentors mm-hmm. and be part of some programs that taught me things that I don't know if I ever could have learned it on my own. The Entrepreneurial Winning Women Award from Ernst & Young is the first one that comes to mind. It's been unbelievable to be part of that group and have the resources available to just just learn things that I, I just didn't know. And so profit margin really did come to the forefront. And I we've gotten so much better at that. Um, systems help you track it a lot better too. I mean, we just kind of put on our big girl pants and switched to NetSuite recently and that's painful, but it sure gives you good visibility yeah. versus what we were using. So we understood, um, started to understand our business, but we had to understand how to manage and measure our business because I was making all the decisions almost from instinct and from my heart. Yeah. 
And I had to switch to a point where as much as I wanted to do something or launch a new product, if the numbers didn't make sense, then the answer was no. Yeah. Um, and so we, we, I would say that it's only been probably in the last three years. We've gotten better. And yeah. we've definitely gotten better over the course of the entire time that we've had Bella Tuna. But about in the past three years, it's just become what guides every single decision. Does it take the... Um does it take the heart out of it, or is the heart just in a different place? You know the future of the business requires it, right? Was that a hard mm-hmm. transition for you to say, oh, I want to do this, but it doesn't make sense, yeah. so I can't. Was that a hard transition to make, or was it yeah. It took so long to get there that you were ready to make that leap? It was a little bit of both. I definitely felt like some of my creativity was stifled, mm-hmm. and um, that was hard for me to stomach that. But at the end of the day, the other thing we did about three years ago was um, every I, I read quite a few business books, and every year I pick one to make the entire motto for the company for the year. And about three years ago, it was start with why, Okay. Simon Sinek. And I actually got to hear him speak at a conference, and um, what he says is it's, it's, it's basic, but it's so useful. And it was like the lowest common denominator of what I needed to hear. And so that was huge at a time where we were talking so much about profit margin and financials and things that that do not get me excited. Yeah. I was nailing down a very, very succinct why for our business and who we want to be and why we want to continue to grow so badly. And so it made it a lot easier to stomach um, the things that I couldn't do because if I did them... I was hurting the end goal of the give back and being able to, I mean, those meals have to be figured into our profit margin as well. And so um, it it all kind of came together. Yeah. In the future, I've got an idea for you. You ready for it? I am ready. You're sitting down. This is going to be good. So to bring back your creativity, if you want to, Mm -hmm. you can release a Michelle Bulow special edition line. Yes. That's just like you back in the, um, back in the chair upstairs, doing your own thing throwback right? yeah throwback. throwback should i yeah. sew it on myself yeah, too sure. so um anyway that's a that's... really good idea that i will never do but <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'll mark that down in another long list of things of, of my bad ideas um uh, but so but growth is important to you right so you want to grow is. you want to get bigger um you've got the wide nailed down. I don't think there's any question about that. Mm-hmm. You've learned a lot over the course of the last eight years, and realistically, since the beginning, right? Absolutely. Um, you want to raise money. Um, you want to be, you said it takes money to get bigger. Um, yeah. Does that raise, does that mean raise it, or how do you get it? I mean, that that's the big question right now. It really is, because we have so much opportunity in front of us, it, there's never been a more exciting time at Bellatuno, but there's never been a more terrifying time at Bellatuno. Um, this opportunity it takes deep pockets. And I think there's something that um, has always been, I've just held it so close to me that we did this with $6,000. Yeah. And it feels so good to have something that we've been able to donate um, Wherever we want, as long as it's a 501c3, we work with a, a, a charitable fund that keeps us very focused on 501c3s. So yeah. that works out really well for us. But um, it's this idea of, it's the founder's dilemma, right? 
I mean, it really is. Like, what do you want? Do you want this massive growth or do you want the control? Yeah. Um, I want both, right? Th- yeah. it's, that's true. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, I guess, I guess I haven't given up on the fact that there can still be a level of both that can live in harmony. I haven't found it yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think it's there. Um, we're just at a point where I... I I don't want to say no to a lot of this opportunity, but at the same time, I'm realistic enough to know that massive growth can demolish a business just as much as no growth. So I I think we have a very realistic mindset, and sometimes saying no is the only way to say yes to the bigger opportunities. So have you raised the fundraising flag yet? Um, or have you, no. um, have you, have you created the fundraising flag yet or, um, or are you just looking at flags that sit out there? Um, I think we're just trying to learn. Yeah. I, again, because I have been welcomed into some groups of just phenomenal women, I've been picking their brains mm-hmm. and most of them have gone the investor route. Yeah. Um, I have a few good friends who have sold their businesses in the past couple years, and they say that never could have happened, you know, without the growth that the investors yeah. made possible. And so I think we are at a point of just trying to research and learn as much as we can. And I, I don't, I'm not flying a flag. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things that um, if there was an investment that we decided to take, it would have to align so closely because my biggest fear is I don't want to trade the passion and the mission behind Bellatuno for money. Yeah. um, Is part of it a little bit of fear of, um, I mean, if you, if you raise money, most of the time they're going to eventually want an exit too, right? Yeah. Um, Is there any fear that you have to exit, so to speak, or is would you could you grow it and ring the bell on the New York Stock Exchange? Um, you know that's not that's not been in my trajectory plan yet. The New York Stock Exchange, um, but I'm also not fearful of yeah. an exit. Um, it's not something I want right now. Yeah. But I think that that would open so many possibilities and just even a bigger platform to start new things to help other people start new things to help in uh, a bigger way. Okay. So very interesting. So, so if, um, but it, right now, more than likely, you're not looking for an individual investor. If you were to take money, you'd look more towards a strategic alignment to really take it, not only to throw money at it, but also really help take it to the next level. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. So very interesting. Um, Charlotte doesn't happen to be the best place in the world to do that. Um, <laughs> Are you allowed to say that? <laughs> it's my podcast. I can say whatever I want to. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, so do you have to go elsewhere to, um, to start those conversations or you just... I think the world's so flat. Yeah. I really do. I don't... I guess I don't see our business. Um, I'm so thankful for how welcoming Charlotte was to help us launch it yeah. and the resources here and how good people have been to us. But I, I really think it's a national brand now. Charlotte is not our number one market. What is? 
um, Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of business in the Carolinas and Atlanta. The Southeast is yeah. still our strongest market, but the Southwest is quickly riding those coattails. Okay. Um, you don't make any Atlanta Falcons gear, do you? Okay, Not good. into the licensing oh. thing quite yet. Good. All right. Just wanted to make um, sure. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I, I, I just feel like the whole world pretty much becomes open, and so I don't think the answer necessarily has to be in Charlotte. Where is this thing taking you? Where have you been? What have you, I mean, what's your coolest story, right? Um, I mean, I, I think that I get the opportunity to do quite a few speaking engagements, mm-hmm. and as much as I want to say no to those, because it's not necessarily my comfort zone, yeah. um, I, I pretty much always say yes. And the reason is I feel really, really responsible to my two daughters and to we have a culture of a lack of self-confidence in girls right now. It's tricky. And I feel like they can't be what they can't see. And so one of the coolest things that's happened is I've been given this platform to share a story. And the story um, takes on some different forms based on the point of, of the speech. But it's just really cool to be able to share something that happened so organically. Yeah. To me, it was not intended. Um, and where we are now versus where we started. And I just I hope that it can give some people hope. Yeah. In situations that they can they can do big things, they can do hard things. Yeah, it's possible. So um, great segue, thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> sure. Um, so what is it? I mean, for you, um, in front of your girls, in front of um, girls all over the country and world, mm-hmm. um, what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneur? I think being an entrepreneur is such a gift. It um, it gives me the ability to try to create the world I want to see. And so there's this, there's this, Bellatuno didn't exist before we created it. You know, there's, there's a whole new thing that never existed. And that is so exciting to me. And on top of that, the things that Bellatuno has allowed us to do, they weren't happening. They weren't programs that were funded. Or maybe they were, but not, at, they didn't have our, our motor behind it as well. And so I think being an entrepreneur is it's just a chance to mold the world in your own way. And it's it's a chance to leave it better than you found it. What do your girls see in you now, right? What do they, how do they see, how do they see mom, right? Yeah. They don't see Michelle, they see mom. They do see mom. Um, I have two little girls that are no doubt world changers, and yeah. I could not be more excited about that. There's a few different things that come to mind. You know, I, I recently won an award where I was given, I am given a trip to go abroad for a week um, to Europe and and learn and grow and all of that. And I thought, the timing's not right. Like, I'm not sure I can do this. And those two were the biggest cheerleaders. No, mom, you have to go. You have to go. We're going to do this. And they have such a a we mentality about the work that's being done. And they get so excited when we get new plaques from Feeding America that say, now it's 1.5 million and now it's 1.6. And um, they rally behind it. And I think one of the coolest things for me is that my daughter, my oldest, who's 13, she really, she really gets it. She gets that our, our point here is 
to do our best and to leave a legacy and to help other people. And um, I know that she gets it because she is one of five teenagers on a board that started here in Charlotte, and it's all teen-run. It's called Laps for Love, and it supports the Charlotte Rescue Mission. And don't you know, these five little teenagers have a mission to end homelessness in Charlotte by the time they graduate. Only kids, yeah. you know, would come up with that mission, but it's awesome. And at, this is the fourth year of her being on the board, and they've raised $160,000 for the Charlotte Rescue Mission. And so I think that she sees us as um, counterparts yeah. in trying to change our piece of the world. I really see they will sit and they will work with me from everything from design to Give back projects. They come. We go to the, um, we do a food pantry mm-hmm. with my team every, I think, third Thursday at Abomarle. And it's um, it's a really cool partnership with Second Harvest. And my kids come and they invite all their friends. And so um, I, I just think that they are, they are so behind it and they love it. Yeah. They absolutely love it. So I think they, they see me as mom. I mean, they still talk back. Yeah. They still do not do their chores when I ask them to, all that. But I think they would tell you that I have about the coolest job in the world. Yeah. They love it. So go back and tell your 26-year-old self that you have a better job. What does, it say, what, does, what does she say back to you? She doesn't know anything. She doesn't? She doesn't. I mean, would I choose the same path to get here? Absolutely no, not. If not. I could go back and, you know, have... One rewind in my life, of course, it would be that day and trying to do something different. But, um, gosh, I just, she didn't know anything. My 26-year-old self just had her priorities wrong. She didn't have a good grip on who she was. And so when I do get a chance to talk to young girls, you know, I tell them, if you are given an opportunity, or better yet, if you can create an opportunity that aligns your talent and, and your passion with a cause you believe in, then you jump in 100% because you'll be unstoppable. What can the Charlotte community do for you? I mean, they're so good to me. Are they? They really are. I know um, early on when I qualified for like 40 under 40, (laughs) that kind of thing, um, I was given so many awards, which are such good launch pads. Um, I get invited to speak at a lot of things and a lot of events. I mean, Charlotte is a very, very supportive, big-hearted community, and I think that that is one of the reasons that we've found such success, because there always has been such good support here. Um, I, I don't know what I need from them, because I feel like I've... You've gotten I've been, everything you can get. I just feel like I've really been taken care of, yeah. Um, you've started... So you started in 2005. That's right. Um and obviously there's been lots of businesses in Charlotte that have started here and everything else. Um, but you're starting to see the entrepreneurship aspect of Charlotte pick up. There's yeah, a lot more sure. trying to um, trying to build that. Um, do you feel like you missed out on some of that early level support back in 2005? Or do you kind of feel like you've grown with it? Um what would it be like starting today? What's it like seeing the startup community kind of build up behind you, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I think it's super exciting. I mean, I almost feel like the grandma of it at this <laughs> point. Let's um, not go that far here. Right? Well, yeah. you know, I mean, it's yeah. been 13 years. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I see... 13-year overnight success? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just yesterday, 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, I think that there... This, my startup world is different 
than a lot of startups we see in Charlotte. A lot of them are tech focused. You know, a lot of them are the the quick growth. You don't see, or maybe I'm not aware of, a ton of product startups these days here. Um, and so I don't know that what Charlotte is giving to people in the the tech startups or the med startups, that kind of thing, biotech, I don't know that it's the same thing that I needed. Um, I think being located here was was great for a launch pad for manufacturing. I don't, don't know many other states that could have supported me that way as I went through kind of those ugly teenage years, if you will, yeah. in, in growing. Um, I love watching what we have going on in Charlotte. I love Seed 20. You know, that's one of my favorite events yeah. of the year. I just I get on fire for that, that people are starting so many cool charities here. And some are, I mean, I think they're probably all nonprofits, but I think that sometimes they're fueled by the for-profits that are launching here. I love watching all the newness. I just absolutely, um, I get really excited about it. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, I don't feel like I missed out. I really no. don't. I feel like my time was my time yeah. to start. And uh, I think that if I had thought about it too long or waited too long, I wouldn't have done it. I mean, there's always someone smarter. There's always someone that is better. Um, if, if I didn't jump when I jumped, I wouldn't have jumped. Yeah. So that was just my time. Um, have you always been a good executor? And that's essentially what's gotten you to this point, right? You execution of Bellatuna. I mean, does that go back a long time or did you grow um, into that? Well, I'm a terrible executor, actually. I'm not really a doer. I'm a really good strategist. Okay. I mean, ideas, ideas are everything. I love to brainstorm. I love to find a, a better way, a new way, a different way. Um, I think there's so many ways to eat an elephant and that's what I'm good at. Um, the execution piece bores me. Like, once a plan's put in place and it's got to get done, yeah. I'm out. Who have you turned that over to? Because, I mean, everybody talks about, I mean, the success of any fast-growing company, which you are, mm-hmm. um, is is a team, right? Right. Um, so how did you get through those early years and now how, I mean, how, how's the team execute in 2009 and how's it execute today? Yeah, that is a great question. So there was barely a team in 2009 (laughs) and that may have been the reason for slow growth. I mean, I really think that we were so conservative in how we grew that we hindered ourselves. Um, But, you know, I heard Barbara Cochran speak at an event and she, it's some of the best advice that I personally need to hear. She gets out a yellow legal pad about every six months. And she writes down on the left the things that she's good at and she enjoys and that they keep her motivated. And then she writes on the right side the things that are the last on her list that she hates doing, that she just puts off and procrastinates. And then she hires for those. And she gets that list wiped out within three to six months. And so that's what I started doing because I realized that even if I could do things, if I really hated doing them, I wasn't going to do them well. So things like operations, I am not operationally minded. Um, Things like finances, I am not financially minded. And so I started hiring for my weaknesses, which I think is such a basic concept, but it just changed everything. And so now everyone at our company, all eight of us, it's a very collaborative environment, but we all have a lane. And everyone was specifically hired to do what they're good at. So our planner, 
She has worked for every major department store. She can analyze numbers in her sleep, spreadsheets dance. I can't even find, I can't even watch where things go. It's so fast. That's taken such a burden off me. It's unbelievable. And sometimes it's not even that the work is hard. It's that the thought of doing it is so daunting yeah. that you just waste so much time worrying about it. Yeah. And so now that I know things are in good hands and the right hands with such a strong team, um, it's freed me up to be so much more creative and it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, so do you, um, I know the answer, um, uh, you're having m- more fun now um, than at 26. I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. Do you travel any now? I mean, I know I you're going to Europe. Do you have to go to China? Um, you know, I don't go to China. I've never been to China. Um, that might be something I need to do, but it goes back to the world being flat. Yeah. I mean, we, we can do, it's, it's not only that I don't need to be there physically. It's that we have an inspection company yeah. that goes and checks all our factories. Yeah. And, um, they, they do all the audits. And so yeah. we know if they're up and up. And we yeah. only work with the factories that are up and up. And there are so many third-party, like, outsourced partners that can help you have eyes and feet on the ground there that, um, you know, I, I don't really have a desire to go. Do you travel much in the continental U.S.? I do. I, yeah. do. I travel quite a bit. Um, I travel because I still handle a lot of the key account sales. Mm-hmm. So I spend a good time in the places that I do a lot of business. Yeah. And then I also travel for markets. I, um, I don't go very often because I certainly have people better at sales than I am, but I think it's so good to keep my, just my finger on the pulse of what's new and what's hot and what's trending. And then it's also painful because I go and sometimes I just feel like I am standing there completely naked. People, I don't say, you know, I own this company, just kind of play in the background a little. And I get some feedback, but it's not constructive criticism. (laughs) I mean, people can be brutal, Uh, but it's good for me to hear. You know, I come home a little depressed every time I go to a market because it's the heart of an entrepreneur to hear the negative things so much more loudly yeah. than all the positive things. But that's what keeps you strong. That's yeah. what keeps you evolving. And so I do travel to a lot of markets just to, to stay on the edge of what we need to do. Okay. Um, let's go back for a minute to the beginning. Okay. Um, um, not quite the beginning, which I'll circle around to in a second. Um, 10 of 11 stores picked up your product. That's right. Um, how long did it take for the 11th to do it? It was about a year ago. Okay. That's a long time. <laughs> it took about 12 years. And they're a great account, and it's a phenomenal store in Charlotte. I just don't think they knew what they were missing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So did you walk back in there with your same sample, or did you? you yeah. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I wish I would have thought of that. No, they found us. Um, they found us at Market in in New York City at the Javits Center, and did they apologize? They didn't know yeah. that it, they had. You know, they had no yeah. idea that I was that person. But I let them know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's so good to see you guys again. Yeah. Twelve years later. Yeah. But um, they're they're a great customer now. That's cool. So. Um, kind of circle back around and kind of wrapping up here um the focus of the the give back has changed over the years right yeah definitely um and you said that you've given away i think over 1.5 million meals now to kids right um the for lack of a better term the pivot um when was it and how did it kind of develop so when we first started bella tuna and we were launching the matt tuna make a difference fund 
all of the focus was naturally on drug and alcohol mm-hmm. rehabilitation efforts and, and some prevention efforts. Um, and, and that felt really good to be so heavily involved in that. Um, we did some work to add rooms to the halfway house at the rescue mission. We did a lot of work to um, raise money for the dove's nest. And we were doing things that, that really hit home for me. Um, but there were two problems with the focus that we were taking on our, on our philanthropic strategy. Uh, the first was that it was very, very local to our community, and we were primarily only giving to 501c3 organizations in the Charlotte area, and we had become a national brand. We yeah. were selling everywhere from Maine to California. And all we had on our packaging was a portion of every proceeds will go to the Mac to Make a Difference Fund. And that just wasn't really connecting. The second problem was that our target audience, they're brand new parents. Yeah. They are wide-eyed and they are scared. And they are bringing this pure, innocent little bundle of love into the world. And we're like, hey, buy our products and maybe we can keep them from becoming an addict someday. You know, And they don't want to be thinking about their child that way. So there was another disconnect. If we were telling the whole story, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, you're selling baby products and you're fighting addiction. And that's just not where the mindset is of our target audience. And so what we realized was we need to, we need to change this giving strategy because the giving is always going to be there. That is a firm commitment. And it always is going to be related to breaking family cycles and yep. mostly due to addiction because that's my passion. Um, so we did all this research and what we realized was one of the lowest common denominators that, that you can get to is malnutrition in children has a dramatic effect on addictive behavior. Dramatic. And it makes sense, right? Scarcity. Yeah. And, and the outcome of that. And so when we realized that, we, we dove a little deeper into this issue and we also found out that one in six children in the U.S. faces hunger on a daily basis. That's more than 13 million kids. And so what we, what we came kind of to the end with was we can let our customers be part of a massive problem that is everywhere in our country. It's every state is touched by this, some yep. more than others. But we can also do it in a way so that they understand the impact that they have. It's so easy. One product, one meal. Yeah. You order four of our products online for a baby shower, you just get four meals in the U.S. and potentially in your state. Yeah. I mean, we touch every state and we make sure our giving is distributed. And so that's what really clicked. And our customers, I mean, we've been thanked numerous times because they feel so good. They have a choice in baby products. They yeah. have a choice in shower gifts. And so when they choose us, they get to have that double bottom line to themselves too. And they love to tell that story and they love to be part of it. And everyone wants to feed a hungry child. Yeah. And so that really was, that was the turning point in our philanthropic giving that I could still feel so good because I know it's related back to addiction. It just is. Yeah. And I know it's related to changing family stories, but our customer can be a drastic part of, of the solution. Yeah. And when I thought about it, really, um, for so long, I really owe our customers an apology. I was, I was being kind of selfish because I was keeping a lot of giving to me and so personal. And I think I needed to do that to heal. But there would be no giving. There would be no checks written if they weren't buying the products. Yeah. And they should get to share in that. And so now where we are, it's really changed the course of how we look at our business. Um, or not really the course of how I look at it because I've always looked at it this way, but our customers – we really see ourselves 
as a give back brand that does sell baby products as opposed to a baby product company that chooses to give back. Yeah. And that's made a huge difference. That's cool. That's a fantastic story. So um, it's a fantastic story that's it's awesome that it's been born here in Charlotte. Um, and it's awesome that it is, it's in a place of growth for going forward, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, again, 13-year overnight success story <laughs> um, with lots of um, opportunities and challenges to get here. So you have, um, you have at least two cheerleaders here with me and Sam um, as you continue to push forward. Thank you. Um, and if we can, uh, again, if the Charlotte community can help further, um, I'm sure it would love to step in and, and you know, push you to that next level from a financing or um, any other department, whatever that might be. So, um, so again, thanks for carving out some time with us today, and best of luck to you, Michelle. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Appreciate the opportunity. William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.